כשהלב בוכה, רק אלוהים שומע. הכאב עולה מתוך הנשמה. אדם נופל לפני שהוא שוקע. בתפילה קטנה חותכת הדממה. שמע ישראל אלוהי, אתה כל יכול. נתת לי את חיי, נתת לי הכל. בעיניי דמעה, הלב בוכה בשקט. וכשהלב שותק, הנשמה זועקת. שמע עכשיו אני לבד, חזק אותי אלוהי, עושה שלא אבחר. הזמן עומד מלכת, האדם רואה את כל חייו פתאום. אל הלא נודע, הוא לא רוצה ללכת. לאלוהיו קורא על סף תהום.
going to um, go to Sarah. And Sarah, um, I hope Sarah's with me. There you are, Sarah. Hello. So um, we're going to allow you to share your screen and you will uh, continue the program. So thank you for coming back with us and anybody else who will come back, I would be admitting them. Thank you. Um, this next poem is called Where Once Death. Um, in writing my book, I do a lot of research and to get a, a sense of the scale of Auschwitz, um, I will go to the panorama.auschwitz.org website and um, because you can do a virtual tour of the actual camp itself. And one thing that has always struck me is um, the grass that is growing everywhere. And um, I don't know if anyone's ever seen Kitty Hart Moxon's Return to Auschwitz, but she spoke about how there was no grass except in one very small space. And she said that had there been grass, they would have eaten it. Um, and so out of that came this poem and I'll start sharing my screen here. Oh, screen sharing is disabled, Jeff. All right, I'm oh, sorry. There it is. Go okay. for it. Okay. Um, and I have to pull up first. I'm sorry. I have to pull up my uh, PowerPoint. Um, okay. I'm trying to figure this one out. Okay. I got it. All right. Should let me do it now. Um, You're sharing your screen? Share your screen. Oh, yeah, okay, that's why. <laughs> okay. Um, and I will try to go slow with this one. Um, the slides go pretty fast, so I will try to go a little slower so everyone can hear it. Where once death ran rampant, grass grows. Spring green shoots, tender and sweet, undulate softly, glistening with dew. Pointed tips bathed in dawn's fragile rays sprout from ash-stained earth, where once death ran rampant, grass now grows. Hi, Tibor. <laughs> okay. Uh -huh. Tibor is going to tell you a little bit about his story. He's, he grew up in Slovakia, and he's going to show you some of his art because his quotes in talking to him are the, are the titles for both our presentation on Thursday night, The Art Cured Me, and he also talked about how art had helped him to express the inexpressible. So tonight he's going to talk, first of all, a, a little bit about his story and then how the art helped him to express all that had happened and how he felt about it. So I'm gonna turn this over to you, Tibor. Okay, uh, my name is Tibor Spitz, you have seen that. And the uh, title of this uh, very quick show is A Healing Through Art, because I had to be uh, really badly hurt by being three years on the death row being 12 years old, uh, losing practically all my relatives except few, 
Luckily, my parents, siblings, and and a grandfather survived with us. Uh, you will see a lot of paintings, sculptures, and I, I created uh, uh, after after uh, Holocaust. And uh, now my quick story. Uh, our ancestors lived in Europe for many centuries. Uh, we lived in peace with our neighbors, and. Uh, in a country uh, called Czechoslovakia, which was created in 1918 and lasted about 20 years until uh, the Second World War. Uh, you see on the map in red, uh, on the left-hand side is Czech part, on the middle, in the middle, Slovakia. I was born in Czechoslovakia, Slovak part, in 1929, which makes me 92, or this year 93 years old. Uh, Czechoslovakia was a democracy, very similar to Americans. If you see people on the street, you don't know what kind of nationality or religion they are. Uh, our family shown here in 1936, which means that four years before Slovakia uh, became a fascist country and anti-Jewish law start. The right-hand side is my father. He was a Jewish reverend, a cantor, something like a rabbi in a small community of 100 people. In the middle is my mother. She was a teacher uh, by profession. On the top is my brother. Next to my father is my sister. I was at the extreme left. In 19... Uh, 1938, in, in, our, in neighboring countries, in Germany and Austria, uh, uh, German and Austrian governments started uh, uh, very anti-Semitic anti uh, actions. It was not anymore the laws. It was actions where they burned synagogues, arrested 30,000 Jews, unsuspected citizens, and broke a lot of uh, businesses uh, and uh, Kristallnacht, which, uh, which received its name after broken glass. Crystal means glass in German. Uh, Munich Agreement caused Czechoslovakia to fall apart, and Slovakia, in the blue here, became a, a, a Nazi. Nazi country, uh, a really strong ally of Nazi Germany. Naturally, they accepted all the anti-Jewish laws, which started in Germany in 1938, uh, in 1934, and uh, roughly seven years later in Slovakia, they accepted Nuremberg laws and even made them a little bit more strict. Here, president of Slovakia, uh, is shaking hand with Adolf Hitler. We knew about Mein Kampf, a uh, book uh, issued in 1925, which described eventually that the objective of the new regime is to annihilate, to wipe out Jewish race. Nobody naturally believed it, but people believe that it's a exaggerated politician is talking. And uh, we started there's only, not everybody started understanding that Slovak Jews were trapped just the same way as German and Austrian Jews. 
who had little more time to escape. Uh, not everybody understood it. As you see on the painting I made, is a boy playing with some toys. Behind him is a mortal danger of a beast which might kill him. First thing they did is they marked us. We looked like, as a citizens, nobody could distinguish religion of a person on the street, which means that we had to put on our chests uh, a yellow star. In Slovakia, it was no text on it. It was about four inches in diameter. In Czech lands, it was Jude written on it, means Jew in German. And it was a little star uh, of smaller ones for Jews who were important to the economy. They didn't want to kill them immediately because they needed them to transfer the properties and keep running businesses and so on. You, here you see Slovakia in green, uh, surrounded by the yellow part. In 1942, they were even in, in North Africa. And uh, what you see is the countries uh, in white are neutral countries, but they all cooperated with, an, with the Nazi Germany because they raged uh, a war. And in the war, you need a lot of materials and steel and, and chemistry and so on, which means that business was uh, uh, really flourishing. Uh, this is Slovak president who got the idea to rob Jews of all properties in Slovakia and deport them beyond his country. And... Uh, Nobody would believe, because he was a Catholic priest, nobody really would believe that he's going to harm uh, children, civilians, or families, as he trusted that it would be really some kind of a labor camp where a Slovak Jews would try to keep uh, Nazi Germany uh, helping the war effort, and they would rather need us. And this shows uh, from a book a few photographs. On the left-hand side, it was a graffiti propaganda saying Jews are our enemy. And on the other three pictures, you see uh, people, uh, disciplined people carrying some luggage in their hands, which was the only thing they could take with them and uh, entering the cattle cars. These are my maternal grandparents, aunts and uncles. Uh, on the left-hand side, my grandparents. And uh, they were all deported, and none of them lived longer than a few days or a few weeks or a few months. They were all murders. On my, on my father's side, seven siblings. My father had seven siblings. And uh, none of them survived. My cousins, uncles, aunts, uh, cousins were my age. I was 12 years old when deportation started. Uh, we had to make a, because we were kicked out of school when I was 10 years old. I had only five elementary school classes. And uh, all my deported Jewish schoolmates were murdered. And none of them made it. Uh, here are a little older children or older youth, young people who uh, didn't go to that school. In front of those people were in school, but in the back are uh, 
a little older, none of them survived, all dead. And I knew them all, we socialized, we were our friends. I was 12 years old when I understood that the chance to uh, to, to stay alive I, I was nil because I would never even uh, be chosen to work. I was small, 12 years old, looking like 10 years, and it was a practically death sentence, but not everybody believed it. When our turn came, uh, we decided to escape to the mountains. Uh, it was later during the war in 1944, and those few years, I can have no time to describe how we made it somehow alive, zigzagging and pretending and this and that, hiding. Uh, mountains where we lived were high, and in summertime they looked like this, and we have chosen a place where to dig out a, a, play, a, a hole in the middle of uh, the forest and uh, hide there, believing that in a few weeks we might be liberated. It took another seven months and a very tough winter to spend in a hole like this under the ground, camouflage, while uh, patrols were trying to find us and shoot us. And 200 days and nights, it's a very long time. In summertime, it was so high in the mountains, you, you see snow on the, on, on the peaks in the background, and in, in the front, it's still green grass and more or less summertime. Uh, in wintertime, it looked like this, and we were hiding in the middle of it. That's why German on horsebacks didn't find us, or so Slovak soldiers and all kinds of people who believed that very high price on our heads would make them rich. Uh, and uh, we somehow made it alive. Uh, somebody else found us, you know, parachuted guerrillas, but I don't have time to explain that. Many Jews hiding like that. This is one of my paintings showing uh, they were caught, found, caught, and shot, regardless of the age or social status or whatever. Uh, it is a little bit more than... Uh, a rendition of the same idea. Uh, sometimes they took younger people into those cattle cars and moved them to labor camps to use their uh, uh, muscles to uh, work before they were killed or they perished as uh, receiving 600 calories a day with very hard work. And in a few weeks or months, they got sick and died anyway. Uh, when they ran out of those cattle cars because the Soviet army was too close, uh, at times they called them Red Army, uh, they made those death marches, and this is one of my paintings which made it into uh, a lot of books and literature and so on, because it shows... Uh, Anyway, in 1945, the Red Army defeated the Nazis and from the other side, Americans and French and English. Uh, and uh, this was a turning point in our lives, naturally. Uh, I needed the way to heal myself and not only I, physically, mentally, but a communist regime took over in Czechoslovakia and we were unable to even 
commemorate our dead because the only heroes were proclaimed to be Soviet soldiers who were really fighting, uh, and a lot of them died. They say 27 million Russians died in that war, which means that they didn't share uh, even the reputation of being a victim. And uh, I had to work in that country for 20 years, and it was a long time. Uh, after the war, we tried to restore uh, normal life because we were too ill to immigrate, to emigrate. Uh, first time, first uh, task was to restore my interrupted education. Uh, I, I made a high school a diploma in a few months. I joined, rejoined the school after five years of being almost illiterate after five years not going to any school. I was 15. And then I continued, I was eventually sent to study chemistry because Stalin, Soviet Union needed better uh, explosives and better weapons, which means they took all people, all students who graduated with best marks in all subjects, and they uh, shipped us to uh, chemical school in Prague, where I became a chemical engineer, and then even a PhD specialized in glass, in making glass and uh, naturally science as well as manufacturing. These are my all kinds of credentials, publications, patents, and so on. Uh, 20 years later, they sent me to Cuba uh, to fix a glass industry in Cuba. And nine months later, we were traveling in a Cuban airplane uh, which refueled in Canada, we ran away and became a, a stateless refugee. So I was married already with Noemi, uh, who was also a Holocaust survivor, but she was only 22 months old. And all those 22 months, uh, she was already sentenced to death. Her parents were hiding, pretending, and so on, survived the war, and I found her uh, Found, found her and married her. Uh, this was my first painting uh, after we escaped because in Czechoslovakia, Holocaust art was not tolerated, would not, paintings would not be exhibited and any lectures or some kind of a uh, description of suffering Jews was not uh, uh, invited or tolerated or, or practiced which means that this was my first attempt trying to test uh, my abilities to express myself. And I described 40 years of life. You see the angry face and description on the right-hand side. It came spontaneously, and I understood that I could do something like that in art, uh, which means that I started remembering faces of my relatives. They were a few dozens uh, uh, about 90% of them were murdered. Uh, and uh, I carved faces which looked like a flame uh, in uh, uh, here. Also, some carvings with the name Zachor in one of them. Zachor means remember. Uh, each of those six million Jewish victims had a face and a name, and they were 
million and a half children among them, which means that this painting also made it through the world and was used as a symbolic uh, of the Holocaust. Uh, here are ceramics, uh, uh, ceramic uh, sculptures and ceramic items which were uh, with texts reminding the uh, Holocaust. You know, this is one ceramic sculpture as well. Uh, paintings, uh, you know, just remembering those terrible times. This is how we felt surrounded by enemies, uh, sentenced to death. This is a painting which is showing a Jewish person recognizable during through the culture and the religious symbols. With the dead bodies on the right hand side and the march into nowhere, into at the end of the horizon, you see a flame, which means that most of those victims ended up that way. Uh, here are all those, uh, I would say, paintings and healings. This is a mystical, Kabbalistic uh, collection of symbols where uh, I had to study them because of my experiences during those 200 nights and days, which uh, kept me sane by debating or some kind of like communicating with, with something I didn't understand and later understood what it might have been. After 30 years of glass industry and 14 years of developing digital technology, uh, you know, like making equipment, uh, researching equipment which allowed to make hard drives, which started digital age. I was 68 and became a full-time artist. It was 24 years ago. Uh, I have developed original style of painting. Uh, you see here those little dots or spots which uh, impressionists missed. And this was a some kind of a completion of that kind of uh, art in oil paintings or acrylics. Exhibition in Bratislava 2002, uh, where uh, this was a great event because a president of the country sponsored it and it was in the most prestigious uh, hall. Here are another uh, uh, exhibition. Uh, one is in New York. And this one is in Bratislava, Slovakia. There are many dozens of exhibitions I had all over, uh, I would say, the world. Uh, I mean, my painting made it in a book. The book was even marketed using my painting on the right hand side, you see. And it's called The Jewish American Artist and the Holocaust. It was a professor of art history in Rutgers University. It's another book where my paintings made it. It's a Canadian uh, book uh, with uh, poetry uh, illustrating. When I was 90 years old in a town where, which was 2,000 people originally, now 20,000 pe people, uh, they made me an exhibition of my own paintings and issued a beautiful catalog. Uh, it, it, it was about three years ago. Uh, a movie, Slovak movie, was made with English subtitles, and you can see that movie on, online anytime you want to uh, click, uh, uh, type in Spitz DVD 01, 
shows in yellow here, and you will see the movie. Uh, recently, you know, during the COVID era, I was participating in making a book about my brother on the left. He was a real artist, and we wrote a book uh, about our own experiences with knowing me, my wife, uh, it, uh, last year uh, on the right-hand side. Uh, I give a lot of lectures, uh, and this is one of uh, in Baruch College. Uh, here is a lecture I'm giving now to you in a very quick way. And uh, on the bottom is something I would uh, recommend you to see because on the channel, TV channel, uh, PBS, usually channel 13, uh, on uh, April 26 at 8 p.m. on Eastern time, no, at this time, your time as well, it will be a show in a movie called We Remember. You know, the painting behind uh, is mine, my painting. And uh, it will be a one-hour documentary where I uh, even paint in uh, while they filming it. Here are some contacts uh, in case you would be interested in uh, some uh, additional information. And uh, I exceeded naturally the time. But this is the end of the show, and you can ask any questions. Thank you. Thank you, Tibor. Were you able to choose a couple of pieces to show us specifically? Did you have an opportunity to do that? Uh, I'm in the wrong room. Oh, I, can okay. bring, I can bring a few pieces. Okay. For the sec. Okay. Um, you, and if you have questions for him, I, I asked him if he would choose a couple of pieces and just talk about them and what they mean to him. And then I'm going to ask him a question about what he thinks that, and he's already had this question, so he's had a chance to think about it. What does he think is the most important thing that the youth of today should know and understand about the Holocaust? So he'll tell us in his words about that. But then if you have questions for him, this this device will pick it up and we can, you can ask questions of him too. Um, I, I think it's so interesting. His style is so distinctive, you know, and, and clearly, I mean, he, he's, he um, gives recognition to the impressionist pointillism type of thing, but it's just so distinctive. And um, there he comes. His, the walls of his house are entirely covered with his art. Wow. This painting will be will become part of that uh, PBS uh, a movie on April 26. You can see that six people in a hole and uh, it is uh, a painting which I had to paint while five cameras were <laughs> looking at me. And this is a little bit of a show in part of part of that part of that uh, movie. Here is a uh, here, this one shows like a sketch. 
showing how we build, build the shelter. And this one is a painting which already you have seen in, a, in that presentation, which shows how we uh, squeezed in that little hole, survived the most, uh, the coldest and most harsh winter of the century. That's why German army lost the war uh, and Russians uh, were used to winters like that, which means that they had an advantage and we did not freeze, we did not starve and we were not found to be shot. Even if once somebody found us, uh, you know, like guerrillas, uh, which were parachuted behind the enemy lines to, to, to fight Germans, to fight the Nazis, found us and uh, lined us up to be executed and we made it somehow miraculously alive. I, I, I have uh, hundreds of paintings of Holocaust uh, related subjects and I have a lot of... Uh, then when I exhausted the subject and became real professional, then I started painting anything, which means that I... The, the, I can I can keep you busy for many many hours because I painted about a thousand pictures, and uh, I don't believe that this is the right time to. So painting all about the Holocaust actually helped you to be able to paint about other things to to move on to other topics. For twenty years, I was unable to even think of it. My brother was a painter and. Uh, he was a professional, as I show you the second monography about his life. But he did not make it because he was uncomfortable to the government and they did something to kill him. And he became ill and uh, died 33 years old. He left a lot of paintings, Holocaust related, but he could not exhibit, exhibit them. And he suffered a lot because this was a uh, reason not only that they, uh, we were in danger to be murdered, but even talk about it later on was a good reason to be, become mentally ill or some kind of a you know, ru ruined self-confidence and uh, suffering continued because we were suspicious people who... Uh, you know, could be robbed and harmed uh, without paying for it. You know, these uh, criminals are trying to find uh, victims uh, which they can uh, harm uh, without being, without paying for it, without being, uh, uh, you know, punished or some justice applied to them. Which means that if governments do it, now you see Ukrainian war again, a big, huge uh, superpower trying to uh, take over a smaller country and they don't uh, have any mercy or some kind of way. They don't restrict themselves uh, because they know they can get away with it. And this uh, was terrible during the Nazi era, then 20 years of communism. Uh, uh, continued in persecuting us. And then after, only after escape, I was carrying it with me. I was an engineer. You know, I tried to 
somehow numb myself by inventions and patenting things and publishing things. And it helped a little, but only after I used art to transfer my frustrations into paintings or into pieces of art, carvings and so on. Uh, then only uh, I felt some kind of a, with each painting which I made and sometimes published, I felt some kind of a weight falling from my shoulders and uh, some kind of a uh, hurt moving away from my mind and from my subconscious. And I can really uh, prove through my life how art can heal people. And this is not the first time I'm talking about it because people noticed it. And I'm still alive and fully functioning as nine, almost 93 years old, which is proving at least something. <laughs> well, we are most happy that you are here and that you're sharing your art with us and your story with us. Before I let you go and before I turn to the teachers to ask if they have a question, um, what, what do you think, we talked about this question before, what do you think is the most important thing for our kids today to know and understand about the Holocaust and what happened? The hard the question... No, it's not very hard because the, the way uh, millions of people were taken to their death had been done not through violence and force, but through propaganda and deceit. Mm -hmm. Nobody told us, uh, Jews, we don't want to have us here. We are going to take you to a gas chamber, kill you, burn you to ashes, and use your ashes as fertilizers. Nobody told us something like that. They told us you will go and work, and uh, who can work would help uh, uh, German and, and Nazi war effort to fight uh, in front lines and so on. And uh, you will feed your children and your wives and your old people this is what we were told. People found out only when they were taking a shower to be disinfected that in 15 minutes when the poisonous gas came to, to kill them. Uh, the last 15 minutes they understood how they were deceived. My message to young people is to be very careful with propaganda and very careful with promises and very careful what you confront uh, confront uh, uh, the truth, confront the reality with uh, words promising you this and that, which means that most important is not to get deceived and to understand facts. And this is my main message. Naturally, I can produce 15 other ways of supporting young people and their uh, education and, and insight and all kinds of uh, you know, strengthening of their senses and so, but more muscles or bones and so. But the most important is is to to find out the truth 
about their own existence, about their own safety, about their own lives, and uh, act upon, upon it. If ne necessary, fight back. If, it's, uh, if they are in danger and uh, it's, it's too uh, uh, strong oppositions, then run away, which means that this is what, uh, how you can then come back later and settle the scores. But never give up, never give up uh, and let be deceived and eliminate it from the game. A little longer sentence, but this is my main message. Thank you. I, I appreciate how what I meant by this was a hard question is just what you said. There are many things that you could say, but I think the message that you just gave us is a very, very important one that most of us would agree. It's the be most aware important. of reality. Yep, be aware. Don't Definitely. get this. Don't get fooled. This is the main message. Do any of you have a question you want to ask? There is a question in the back. Go ahead. What made you start creating art? How did you get into it? What made me start using art? Yes. It was it was like I was trying to find a language uh, which was more powerful than speech, because you know speech you can believe or you don't have to. You can listen. It's very well known that about if you listen to something about you retain about twenty percent uh, male male twenty percent female votes. 50, but anyway, either way, uh, the words could be deceiving, but art can express in visual way uh, the truth better. And if it's a combination, as I have uh, tried with my slideshow, combination of explaining in words and images, I believe it's more powerful. And you as educate, educator, probably do the same thing and appreciate that if you use more senses of the students to get your message, they would remember it easier and longer. Thank you. I see a lot of heads nodding and teachers recognize that for sure. And there are a number of art and music and drama teachers in the room who would agree with you 100%. Uh, if you look at that uh, movie, 26th of April, which is called We Remember, uh, they are uh, four people who received a song. A song was made of their experience, which they shared with the songwriters. And this is another way through music to tell the story through music and through, uh, through emotions, because music is more emotional than rational. And it goes straight into the heart, doesn't go, have to go through rational, logical uh, thinking through the brain. It goes through something which a language is calling the heart. Uh, it's not a pump, you know, biological pump of, uh, for blood. It's a heart which is a, uh, describing or symbolizing emotions. 
and through emotions, uh, music is extremely powerful. But still, uh, visual images, I believe, are more powerful than I have chosen intentionally. My brother was a painter. He, he went to school for it. I went to school for engineering, uh, chem chemistry. Uh, and uh, when he went to school, I saw, I've been with him through his studies, through his books, anatomy, art history, uh, you know, examples of other artists throughout uh, hundreds, if not thousands of years of history. And I had it, I was carrying it with me, but I had to study chemistry. And when the time arrived, I could use all those memories, went to night schools, to colleges, and perfected myself and even discovered an incomplete history of Impressionists who died too young, and then Cubism took over, Picasso, Braque, and all the others. And they never finished, uh, Impressionists never finished uh, a logical uh, development of their movement. And I was <laughs> told, I wanted to say, accused of completing that movement by my style of painting, which I was very proud of. But uh, something happened to, to me, which is very rare, and I just appreciate uh, those art historians who lifted my self-confidence because there are many, many artists and not too many push some kind of a historic development of an art movement. And uh, I somehow, as a chemist or, or, or per, per, person without uh, really being uh, schooled for that particular subject, achieved it, which means that, you know, I'm a short guy and it gave me a few inches of <laughs> self-confidence. So I'm going to interrupt you just for a minute. For, for those of you that are interested in seeing the, the film that he's speaking about, it's, it's right here on this um, sheet. It's the one that's uh, We're Remember Songs of Survivors. It says coming soon from PBS. It's about a third of the way down on your resource sheet. So you might put a star by it to remember. And what date did you say that was? The 20... 26th of April Okay. at 8 p.m. Eastern time. All right. And it will be all over the country. PBS is everywhere. And few other countries purchased this movie. I know for sure about Israel because it's about Holocaust uh, and uh, some other countries as well. And it is a uniquely presented way of a terrible historic event through music, through music which eventually is uh, promoting optimism, promoting uh, positive thinking, promoting life and promoting uh, next uh, well-being of humankind. It's not sitting on the floor lamenting about something which happened. You know, I might, I might uh, share with you what I usually tell students talking when I, I'm 
giving lectures to high schools or, or colleges. Don't cry over the spilled milk. Bring a cat. <laughs> Do something useful <laughs> beside lamenting and beside, you know, like uh, crying over uh, some losses. Uh, make, make it serve the future rather than, uh, you know, like stuck in a sad, uh, negative uh, feelings of some injustice. Uh, because life must go on and humankind has no intention to give up its ex existence on this planet. And we have to support that and uh, promote freedom and promote uh, well-being and possibly peace. Even if statistics say that in the last 3,500 years, there were only 8% of peace on in human societies, in human human race, and 92% continuous wars and conflicts, which means that it's not too much space for optimism, but without optimism, life would be worth nothing, which means that let's hold on to those 8% and make it 80 or 90 or 100. Thank you. That's, that's a wonderful place to end, unless anybody does have another question. Tibor, thank you so much for sharing your art, sharing your story, and sharing this wonderful outlook on life. Because you're right, optimism is extremely important. And I thank you for talking about it, covering it, and uh, somehow relating to this event in a positive way, warning and teaching young people not to fall into the same trap. Thank you. When reason is eclipsed by hate and reluctance to speak out in truth pervades, where furtive whispers breathe behind shuttered doors and subtle pointing on crowded streets precede denunciation, deportation, death. I will remember the winding cattle trains ferrying you through frozen nights, needle-like hunger your companion, the teeming ghettos, withered feet in tattered shoes, shuffling endlessly on gritty sidewalks for nourishment, for body, for soul. The fortified showers with steel trap doors and poisoned air hidden behind flower draped wooden and barbed wire fences. I will share photographs stolen through dirty windows, charcoal sketches scratched out in dark corners and paintings crafted in secret. Manuscripts buried in fields for safekeeping, under floorboards and in cupboards, next to wispy sheets of music and diaries chronicling crimes. Each damning piece a mosaic of evidence, an eternal voice louder than any human could utter. You have shown me the beautiful kaleidoscope that is the human race, where color of skin is no longer a weapon and faith restores what religion has torn down. Because of what you have shown me, I will not forget, and I shall never again remain silent. When hatred eclipses reason, I will speak out in the face of tyranny. When fear builds walls and lies become truth, 
I will open my arms, my hands, my voice because of what you have shown me. I apologize for being emotional. Well, it's okay. And the subject matter is very emotional to all of us. And we so appreciate you and for you to bring your talent and your passion of poetry to our audience and uh, and to our national worldwide audience who will see this recording. So if you could stop your screen share for a second, who's also here today. So I'm going to now have you, Jackie, unmute yourself. I wanna remind everyone to go to that reactions button and raise your hand if you want to add your voice to the Q and A. Um, so um, please, uh, Jackie, why don't you take- Yes, uh, first of all, did you have sound during this song? There was no sound. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, and unfortunately, I have to leave in five minutes, but uh, so I'll we- take I'll take care of it. So um, any questions for- in, in this case, can I ask my question before I leave? <laughs> okay. Oh. Okay. Uh, first of all, uh, Thibault and Noemi, this is absolutely amazing. Amazing. Uh, I am working on the Holocaust for many years and very, very, very touched by your story. And I love art. My question to you is, uh, after pronouncing you, your feelings regarding your health and your spirit, you have so many colors and so many touches in this art. How come? Uh, I, I don't know what to answer. Can you hear me? Yes, I see. They are traumatic. They are representing horrors and sometimes hope, as you say, where we have to go. But in even if those very difficult images that you have created, there is a lot of colors, which takes the sp at least my spirit to hope and to love, and I okay. think this is admirable. I, I, I have, I, I am getting this question a lot from young people and from professional artists, and my answer is uh, with the English saying, and it's my life philosophy: Do not cry over the spilled milk. Bring a cat. You out of the worst situation in life, you have to learn rather than sit on the floor and lament. Lamenting brings nothing, but you have to learn, survive, go on living, and uh, be positive. Uh, Thank you for the lesson. The most. Uh, morbid, I would say, uh, sad uh, paintings. I have intentionally used bright colors and I had, uh, you know, dozens of exhibitions all over and these questions came very, very often. Uh, you have to respond to all tragedies with positive attitude, recovery, hugging, love, and go on living. And it's no other way, otherwise you join the losers. That's why Judaism exists for almost 4,000 years, because it's not sitting on the floor lamenting. And Holocaust was a terrible tragedy. 
And even that we have to learn and become strong. Israel, state of Israel is a good example. All right, Kathleen, you want Thank to you. ask a question? You can unmute yourself. And Jackie, whenever you have to go, just, just you can just log off. Thank you. Um, you I was just... On, can you put yourself on the camera, please? Oh, sure. Can you see me now? No. Okay. I see your name. Okay. Um, thank you so much. This has been so uplifting. It's depressing, but it's uplifting. It's empowering. And it's, I couldn't help but in the low, the last few sentences that you said, sir. Um, yesterday, I met a friend who said to me, you know, Kathleen, I'm very, very saddened by what's happening with the mental health situation in the world. Young people today are committing suicide. Just last week, I read about three uh, men in their under 40 age group. Uh, and I learned that all three of them had committed suicide. And, you know, we have a mutual friend whose daughter did as well about two months ago. And I said to him, yes. And he's, he's, I said, what do you think is the reason for all this? And he said, they're, they're, they don't see hope. And I said, they've never spent time with a Holocaust survivor. They need to hear this gentleman speak that no matter how bad it gets, you reach out, you hold on, you don't give up. Whatever is causing this rash or whatever is happening, sir, I think that what you just said now really hit a nerve with me because it's very, very concerning with the mental state of the world and young people today choosing that option. What you lived through and how you didn't give up is an honor to all of us, Jews and non-Jews of this world. Thank you. May I, may I answer with a joke? Sure. I, I have a favorite saying, first hundred years of life are the worst. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I almost reaching that. You know, it is no other way, but I, I, I was invited to a many, many sessions and they call it trauma therapy or trauma or art therapy because uh, I have shown in the last few decades that approach uh, that you don't give up. Simply you don't give up and uh, you have to have some kind of awareness who human beings on this planet are and some knowledge about the meaning of it. You know, everything is like if you go quantum mechanics, everything seems to be just some kind of a mechanical uh, machine the whole galaxies and universe is made of. But with your mind and will and awareness, you can pierce it uh, like, like with a hot knife through the butter. And this is what people should learn how valuable they are, how lucky they are to, not to be born like an ant or blade of grass or branch of a tree, but they were born as human beings. And uh, this is an incredible journey. And so many people 
thanked me for changing the, their lives for 40 or 50 minutes lecture about this, about the value of being alive, about the value of uh, being lucky to be born as a human being. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh, is there anybody else? Do you want to try? Go ahead, Ronnie. Unmute yourself, please. I just want to tell you you're making us cry over and over again, but um, but thank you for the words of wisdom, um, Tibor and Naomi. Naomi, I might be saying it wrong. Naomi. 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 Okay. And, but thank you for sharing your stories. I want to also tell Sarah, um, good luck with your novel writing. There's a few of us authors on here. Um, I don't know about the others, but I started out as a poet. Um, and so um, I do, I haven't had much time to write it lately, but um, poetry is just another form of art that, you know, like Tibor, the artist and, um, and the others, I'm sorry we didn't hear Zola's um, video of the beautiful children, but we can tell that, you know, how powerful all these videos would have would have been if we could hear them and see them. Um, but there, but Sarah, um, I, you know, some, I, I just wish you all luck with what all you're doing. And, and, and Sarah, let's see what your what other writing you're doing and, and your, um, and looking forward to hearing about your novel. And um, so you can join the rest of us who are published authors. Um, but um, we have a lot of commonality, all of us, and it's it's lovely to hear about that week after week with Jeffrey. Jeffrey, sorry about your tech difficulties. We all understand, and thank and I know that the those who wanted to present are sorry, you know, that it didn't work out. But um, but I'm sure they're powerful. We'll get that off screen. Yeah, I do, I do want to recommend that you go to Amazon, and it's on Amazon Prime called Songs of Survivors. It's a beautiful film. I don't want to leave Zola without sound. So I'm going to try one more thing because I think this, this is so beautiful that I have to try it again. So let me try. And then I'm going to ask you if you can hear it. Yeah. Can you hear it? Yeah. yeah. Yes? Yes. Good. I'm 
glad I was able to get that to work. And Zola, I, as I said before, every time I, I hear it, I tear up. So it reminds me so much of my parents, just as you wrote it for your parents. The other thing I wanted to let you know, I'm going to have a lot of editing to do for this program. This program will be fixed uh, and recorded properly uh, so that it can be launched on the YouTube channel and all the other platforms. It will not be launched by tomorrow, I guarantee it. But uh, And we're in the process of moving on Tuesday. So this will take a little longer to do, but we will fix all the challenges we had today and get them appropriately launched. And I want to say hello to you, Mark and Ava and Devorah. Uh, and Tony, it's nice to see you. Thank you for hanging in with us until the very, very end. Uh, and we'll see you again. Our next program is on uh, May 21st. It's called Stand Up for Stand Up Against Jewish Hate. It includes a, a lecture from Prof uh, Professor Jeffrey Dembski uh, on anti-Semitism and cartoons and tropes, and two very important project, uh, which is dear to my heart, the uh, Butterfly Project and the Paperclips Project, who are coming back for the third time each year to present what they're doing for children in solving hate and providing solutions against the lessons of anti-Semitism. So I would want you all to spread the word about that program. Also, please join and sign up for jcrnow.com, where you can see 15 Jewish channels of content that I'm working on every day to uh, curate. So thank you very much for coming. I apologize very much for the technical problems we had today, but it was also interesting just listening as opposed to just seeing both. So it gave us, it gave me personally such a different perspective on the, on the movie, which uh, I had seen many times. So it wasn't all bad to just listen. So thanks so much. Have a nice afternoon. We'll see you again.
they stood in fear Where could they go? They stood so brave What did they know? On this day hear us pray Each prayer meant for you Beyom How could it be the world was blind Was no one there to make a stand On this day hear us pray Our prayers call out to you Beyom On this day, hear us pray, our prayers call out to you. Beyom Never again, never again, hear our voice tonight. Never again. Spirit left inspires us all. On this day, hear us pray, the flame still burns for you. Beyom Hasho Ayikatebu. On this day, hear us pray, six million prayers for you. Beyom Hasho Ayikatebu. On this day, hear us pray six million prayers for you. Bayom Hashoa Yikatei.